On this episode of The Nosebleeds, we'll be talking about the scorching hot Angels and Dodgers, a little bit about Manny Machado's hissy fit that he threw the other day, and then we'll be talking about the Anthony Davis trade, Mike Conley trade, and get you prepared for the NBA draft. All this and more on The Nosebleeds. Life on the edge, I'm dangling my feet. I tried to pay attention, but attention paid me. Haters can't see me, nosebleeds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds because we know what we're talking about, but we sit up in the nosebleeds because we broke. As always, it's me, your girl, B, and then I have to my right... It's your boy. Yo, what up, y'all? It's Kush, and we got a lot on the agenda today. We do. I'm excited to talk about it. I think it's going to be a good one today. So strap yourselves in. Get ready. If you're in your car, make sure your seatbelt's on because we're going to take you for a ride. Now, let's first, obviously, um, we're recording this on Thursday. Is today Thursday? I have my days backwards. No, it's Thursday morning. I swear to God, I missed like one day this week. Like One day was off and like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I feel lost. But I think, I think us coming out with a podcast like at the end of last week just threw everything off honestly like i thought yesterday was friday yeah so i'm i'm anyways so we're what we're going to talk about obviously so today is the nba draft so we're going to get to that but first we're going to address some other things that's going on around the other sports world now first we're going to start off with baseball mlb and the first topic of discussion is the angels in a positive light because they are doing well again hell yeah baby about damn time yeah, I mean, we saw this. I think um, in mid-April they were well. They started off the season not well, not doing well at all, not not good. And then they kind of started coming back up in mid-April, and then we thought, you know, okay, they're doing well. They might, you know, take off from here. They might just like had a bad start, but then they went down again. But now they're back. So yeah, this is the first time they're above five hundred since April thirteenth. So over a month they've been under five hundred. So little positive note for them. They're only two and a half games behind that last wild card spot. So yeah, and it's so early still. Yeah, there's lots of, of games in baseball. And so here's what I want to talk about is the Angels. We all know that it's pretty much when Shohei came back, he's been he's kind of been the ignition for this team. I'm not saying Mike Trout is not because Mike Trout has hit. 10 home runs in his last 19 games yes he better get player of the month he has been raking in june it and he, is absolutely ridiculous and he hit a grand slam yeah the other it was the other day yeah wednesday night yeah. he hit a grand slam Yesterday. and before that he hit a solo home run or no sorry a two-run home run uh in the game earlier so he had two home runs in wednesday night's game and he's just been on an absolute right. tear. Let me let me just put give you guys some numbers to put it into perspective. Nine home runs in the month of June, twenty two RBIs. He's averaging four hundred and has a on base percentage of four eighty seven. I mean, we all knew Mike Trout was the greatest player to but ever live. But. Right, but it's like he still like doesn't fail to show how great he is, and like yeah. it, he he's showing that like I can still do more. Like I'm 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 great. But I can still do more. Watch me. Right. And then what's also cool is now other, like, um, I mean, we'll get to trash talking a little bit later in baseball in a second. But Marcus Stroman, pitcher for the Blue Jays, he, um, Mike Trout's hit a home, hit, um, he didn't hit a home run off him, but he hit it to the warning track. And then as he hit it, Marcus Stroman like, kind of looked at Mike Trout. And he, like, you could see him mouthing, hey, you're, like, the great." He said, like, hey, you're the greatest player to ever live. Yeah. <laughs> Which it, is it, awesome. It was funny. It's so respectful. Yeah. It's like, 
yeah, you're the greatest player of all time, bro. Yeah. And then, but, and he's smiling throughout this whole thing, even though Marcus Stroman knew he damn near hit a home run <laughs> off of him. Like, you look at other he pictures like, that we'll get into later. Yeah, he was like, phew! Seriously. So. But let's talk, let's go back and talk about Shohei Otani. I think that he is really the catalyst for this Angels team, and he's kind of what's helped them propel into this newfound success. Right, and I... But I, I said it on an earlier podcast that having Shohei Otani is what has allowed Mike Trout to take off. Because before, if you looked at it, pitchers would barely even pitch to Mike Trout. He had an on-base percentage of damn near 500 and an average of like 280. And that's because he drew so many freaking walks because nobody wanted to pitch to him. Right. But now having Shohei Otani right behind him, they kind of got to pitch to him because like we got to get him out. Because if we just get him on base, Shohei Otani's going to hit a two-run jack. We're going to bring him in. And Shohei Otani, he is just so skilled and so talented and athletic. He's just all of the above. And so he's what also gets the Angels fans excited. So he puts Shohei Otani puts seats in Angel Stadium. So it gets the fans excited and therefore the players are more excited. So it just kind of propels them. And then can we talk about Justin Upton? Mm -hmm. First game back, as we know, he's been injured. Home run. Not even first, like first pitch of his season this year. And he takes it deep, like 400-plus feet, takes it to left field. So, And then he hit another home run last night on Wednesday. So in a span of, like, or he has two home runs and a double in a span of, what, two games, three games? What The one game he pinch it. But, yeah, in a span of, I would say, two games, three games. So Justin Upton having another bat in the lineup is amazing. It was unfortunate that the Angels had to let go of Cesar Poyu. He was playing great had like over 400 average he's batting great with runners and scoring position but obviously if you have justin upton i was kind of skeptical of how he was going to come back this season he took a really long rest and it's not like he was not doing anything and then just came back he's been working out like consistently so well he did do very well but at the same time he did what he had to do for the organization in baseball we all know if you bring you're bringing players up and down you do your job you get out right and there's only so many roster spots yeah and then well. this is also good for um Pueyo because now let's just say if the angels need somebody next year like oh we already saw how he played it so it's good for him as well, well i think they just traded him for cash um i believe i forgot who the team was but yeah he just got traded because he was uh yeah he was designated for an assignment so then he got kind of waived got picked up off of waivers but yeah justin upton coming back i was like i said i was skeptical just because this is his first game of the season we're already in june and he had what March, uh, April, May, and then now coming back in June, and then not even to mention the off season that happened before. So it's like it was kind of he hadn't been playing for a while, and then now for him to come back and play and already hit two home runs in three games, like it looks like he hasn't skipped a beat. Yeah, no, he's doing great. And then so now the Angels are um, thirty-eight and thirty-seven right now. The AL West, it's the Houston Astros. They have they're ten games behind. So I mean, and that's just gonna be it. So I think that I don't, the, the I don't, are taking the I don't see them. Uh, yeah, I don't see I don't them think beating anybody's the Astros. Gonna catch them, the Astros, because well. like the Rangers are what eight and a half games back. But I mean, well, like, no, actually the Twins are tied with the Astros. Oh no, no, no! I'm talking about in the AL oh, West. Oh, just I'm talking the, about the division. Like nobody's. Oh yeah, no, the Rangers the, are like yeah, they're t- they're nine games back. Nine, yeah, they're nine games, games back, back, right? And eight then, and a half. Eight and a half, and then you have the Athletics right behind them, and then right behind them are the Angels. So it's like those three teams in the AL West are gonna be fighting for that last wild card spot but yeah. that division's going to the Astros 
Yeah, definitely. But I think the Angels, like you said, the Angels have, do have a shot at the wild card for sure. But they just have to keep it consistent. And also, last but not least, this is the Angels playing really well without Andrelton Simmons. So bringing Andrelton Simmons back in the lineup, it just gets even better. So, I mean, their pitching is doing well right now. They have a couple starters that are injured with Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill. But we'll see how they do. The Angels are playing amazing right now, and I hope they keep it up. Right. All right, so moving on to the other team in Los Angeles, technically. So the Dodgers, they are still in first place in the entire National League. They are 50-25. and 25. The only team that's behind them is still is the Braves, and they are six games back. So, yeah, I first. mean, the Dodgers, are, the Dodgers are kind of dipped down a little bit when they do lose those four games. They lost one to the Diamondbacks, which just didn't make sense, and they lost two to the Angels, which also didn't make sense. And at the time, it didn't make sense. Uh-huh. And then... They drop one to the Cubs, but they're kind of steadily going back up. Now, the series that they are playing right now is against the Giants, and they have taken the first two games. And But if you guys remember, the when the Dodgers played in San Francisco against the Giants, there was a little bit of an altercation, not an altercation, it was a verbal altercation between Max Muncy stupid. and Bumgarner. So, first of all, Bumgarner. Straight up bum. Literally, Garner. yeah. So, in the beginning of the game, like he was just trash talking. He no, he wasn't really trash talking. He was just having a hissy fit that day. I don't know what was wrong with him. I don't know who stole his lunch that day, but he was just acting like a brat. And so, if you guys, you guys, I'm sure you guys know, Max Muncy hit a home run run off of him, and Bumgarner was just trash talking him the whole way around, literally yelling at him while he's running the bases. Max Muncy didn't do anything. He didn't even bat flip. Nothing. He just set the bat down. You know, ran, got his home run, and he threw a fit. Right, it was, no. like, the most nonchalant, like, bat flip or, like, walk, run to first base. And then he just set it down. And he, he's like, yeah, so now Max Muncie is sporting a get it out of the ocean shirt, which you already know I bought one for myself. And Did you so, really? Yeah, I did. That's awesome. That's, like, the cool, that's one of the coolest shirts. Besides that one and the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. Mm, yeah, that's also that another too. good shirt. Anyways, um, so today Bumgarner pitches against the Dodgers. So that should be interesting in LA, and would, we all know. I would love to see, like, you know how like NBA playoffs, like each fan gets a shirt in their seat. I would love to see that shirt go get it out of the ocean, kind of a shirt you don't for know, every single uh, fan in attendance. Yeah, unfortunately, I was scheduled to work today, but I was trying to go to this game so bad. But that would be awesome. Um, I do think that. So now let's talk about this. So this is what I really want to address in this. Players throwing fits. So we had this situation with the Dodgers and Bumgarner. And then the other day, Matt, uh, Machado, Manny Machado on the Padres, he also he threw a fit. He personally had like a little temper tantrum. So what happened was he got a bad call, and then he basically was like talking trash to the ump. Um, I couldn't really read his lips, but he was just, you know, talking trash. And then he threw then the ump just throws him out barely like Machado was you know kind of getting in his face but it wasn't like too crazy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the ump just as soon as I think the ump was scared because as soon as Machado started walking towards him he's like you're out of here and then he's like what and then so then he got mad and he threw his bat against the backstop and then he got fined and he was suspended for one game now so I just want to talk about the difference between that situation and then obviously we can go back to the, what Tim Anderson does with the bat flip which is not even anything and how people had such an issue with these two saying oh this is terrible blah 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 and then now going to now but what about Bumgarner he was literally harassing a player for doing his job so what what do you think what do you think about these two situations and how well 
giving Manny Machado's situation, I I think he does deserve to be suspended at one game at least, just because you you don't throw the bat. Like yeah, Machado has his hissy fits, whatever. He is he yeah uh, he is nobody likes him first of all. But he yeah, for he's sure known. learned that from the Dodgers. <laughs> Definitely not. He's not people. <laughs> the Do- Dodger fans no, didn't no, even like him. I'm kidding. <laughs> um no, but yeah, he he tends to throw hissy fits a lot. And it, the sh- the strike call that got him pissed off, it wasn't even like it, it was, was a close. Blatant ball. Like, yeah, it, it was, was a close. close. So it's like it could have gone either way. And like. He came out and said, like, oh, I didn't know you're not allowed to, like, argue balls and strikes, yada, yada, yada. I don't deserve that one-game suspension. And I think Machado should just take the suspension, cool off for a game, a day, and just, like, recuperate. Right. But, but the whole bat-throwing thing, like, that's what kind of pissed me off because, like, everything is netted. Nothing is fenced. So it's, like, I doubt it's going to happen, but it could cause injury I mean, to the true. fans. true. I mean, but the way he threw it, like, he didn't – he threw it, like, kind of, like – but why, why throw it at all? No, I'm not saying he should have done yeah. it. I just want to talk about the difference between why did Machado get all this scrutiny? Yes, it was a little worse, but Bumgarner was literally harassing a player yeah, the, for the doing whole, nothing. Yeah, the whole Bumgarner situation. And nothing happened to him. Nothing yeah, happened to him. I, I don't get it at all because he literally, Muncy just hit a home run off of him. Mac, or Bumgarner got his panties in a bunch and he just got mad. Yeah. So literally, it made no sense. I mean, and. Muncy was literally just walking the bases. Yeah, if you like, it wasn't like it wasn't like the Reese Hoskins thing that happened earlier, where Reese Hoskins took like thirty seconds to round all the bases or something like that. Like in that kind of situation, I would get it. Like, okay, that's kind of triggering too. But But the whole Muncy thing, literally, the way he yelled at him, like, but it wasn't even that. It was like halfway to first base. Like he didn't even round first. He wasn't rounding second and taking his time. He was literally just like admiring the ball, but still like running as he hit the home run. And Bumgarner just got really pissed off. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. And so today's game will be interesting because they play t- later today, and I'm very excited to watch. Now, another thing that kind of came out in this, so we all we talked about how before, we talked before about how the NBA referees, how they have their Twitter account, and it's oh just been God. nothing but a bad idea for them. Now, so after this whole Machado situation, the, um, the Umpires Association came out with their own tweet and first of all, there's just a little too many hashtags. There's a lot of too many hashtags. But they basically kind of berated Machado on social media, which is, I'm sorry, the most pettiest and high school thing to do. So it doesn't make sense. And let me see. I'm just going to try to find the, okay. Hashtag disappointed. Hashtag lead by example. Hashtag not appreciated. Hashtag violence. Hashtag temper tantrum. Hashtag inaction. Hashtag not tolerated hashtag make an example of oh i'm not even done yet hashtag one game suspension hashtag repeat offender hashtag nonsense hashtag and then mlb then they tag the padres and first of all hashtag nonsense i think it's funny how they put that in their hashtags when all those hashtags were nonsense right (laughs) so unnecessary the one that really just sends me sends me is hashtag repeat offender (laughs) (laughs) As if he's like on a murder count or some so, shit like that. Like. Yeah, like so. Let's talk about it. Is uh, do you think that referees and I should delete their Twitter accounts? I think so. See, the thing <laughs> is, is like I kind of see where they're coming from because obviously referees can't speak their mind in a game, right? They have to be right. professional. They have to be composed, even when players are yelling at them. So, <laughs> so I think they go on Twitter. Is, this is like their burner account. Where um, just, trigger like, fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Yep. There you go. <laughs> There you go. God, I think like Drake said it best. Yeah, I just think that this is just overall. I think that they need they need to handle their Twitter a little more. Prof- I mean, they need to handle I, I their Twitter a little more professionally. I mean, sure, at least the refs sure and like basketball intern doing it. Like this cannot be an actual. Do you think ref- the intern got fired? For sure. 
Well, that's may, so weird. Yeah. Who it, approved it, it? But imagine. So let's just say an I, intern it, does it. it should an be, intern writes it, types it up. Okay, boss, here. Does this look okay? And they probably had to go through a couple people so they went out with it because this is a controversial. And those people were like, not enough topic. hashtags. There needs to be more hashtags. Um, you, I'm, <laughs> you need to put in hashtag repeat offender because that's. <laughs> yeah. So I just think yeah, either it's just just basis rule for anybody. If you don't know how to tweet correctly, just don't tweet at all. Right. Do people even use hashtag on Twitters anymore? Like, um, people. I mean, that many. Like, okay, maybe. Two. No, that's a little extra. Yeah, two, two is even like because I know Instagram is more of a hashtag thing, but like Twitter, Ugh, tr- eh. Instagram people try to be Instagram famous and put like hella hashtags. Right, trying to get those random likes. But hey, y'all do you? Whatever. Um, Just don't buy your followers or likes, or else I will judge you. Okay, so let's take it back to the Dodgers real quick. There's one guy I really want to talk about, and that's Hinjin Ryu. I feel like we always talk about him and Shohei Otani on our show, but like. They deservingly get. I don't think we talk about Ryu enough, and he's had an amazing past month. Amazing, no, amazing season. And that's kind of understatement in itself. It's like he's having damn near historic season Mm -hmm. the way he's going right now. He's nine and one right now with a sub one point three ERA. He's, I mean, he hasn't allowed more than two runs in his fourteen starts. it's It's insane, and like. Ryu for the Dodgers in the past, like he's always been a strong pitcher, but it's kind of he he kind of lacked good consistency. He would be kind of consistent, he's but he's kind of like going like what Kenta Maeda is going through. Right oh now. my god! Okay, I don't even want to talk about Maeda. I'm gonna get mad. But Maeda, but like Ryu wasn't. I don't. He, yeah, him and Maeda were kind of comparable. Um, but Maeda kind of went down, and then Ryu is going up. But he's doing amazing, and it's honestly what the Dodgers need, especially if he keeps this up going through playoffs. That's what I mean. Right. Pitching, pitching wins games. Right. So defense and wins games. I think yeah, we talk about the Cody Bellingers, we talk about the Christian Yelich, mm-hmm. but we got to talk about the about Ryu for MVP. Honestly, Cy Young, if the season ended right now, it'd be a wrap. Oh yeah, for for Cy Young for him, and then MVP that like potentially could be MVP. And then he let me put the give these numbers to you. He has eighty five strikeouts to five walks this season. That's a seventeen to one strikeout to walk ratio. To put that into perspective, the NL record is by Brett Saberhagen. Who has eleven strikeouts to one walk, and Ryu's uh, has a seventeen to one strikeout ratio. So that kind of just puts into perspective how great of a season Ryu's having. Yeah. All right, now switching gears, which is something Lavar Ball would like to do with Molly Kiram anytime. Apparently, oh we're going to talk about that whole interview that he had on first take because it was a mess. Now, I mean, I just think the funniest part every time he does it with um, Stephen A. Smith is you, I just watch Stephen A. Smith's face because. The Varball literally looked like an insane person. And then Stephen A. Smith is just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, why is this guy on? One, right. well, we all know ratings, and he's crazy. He says some crazy stuff. Now, one interesting – now, first of all, we could talk about what he said to Molly Karam. And first of all, I think she handled it great. Basically, he – I mean, it was just – it's just not okay. She's – I mean, well, we all know women get objectified, blah, blah, blah. But nowadays, we don't see it as much, especially on national TV. But – I mean, LeVar Ball is obviously not a professional on TV, so he doesn't know how to act in general, honestly. So when he said, you can switch, so she said, hey, LeVar Ball, look, I want to switch gears. She, he said, you can switch gears with me anytime. Whoa. like, And she handled it very well. She kind of just like, 
Um, like let's behave. Like I She's thought, like, yeah, let's stay on topic. Yeah, let's stay on topic. So I Don't think stay focused. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I, then Stephen A. Smith gave him a dirty look, which rightfully so he should have. Which yeah, I'm glad that he, I'm glad. She, I mean, nobody really said anything, but she handled it nicely. Where he just kind of rolls over, keeps going. Um, sadly, this is kind of what women have always had to deal with: guys just making suggestive jokes, which is fun. They think is funny, but is sexually inappropriate. And I think that she did handle it very well but at the same time it's just like when is this going to stop because then there was that one i think it was a british show oh yeah yeah I, a, I don't know what it was but i saw it on twitter yeah was, me too it was like it was disgusting yeah it was a basically old man and then so he has like a as a girl host and like he's grabbing her ass like in on national television live she's like TV. live tv what when is this gonna stop we thought it was done we thought we were good it's never gonna stop so that was inappropriate but besides that i thought she handled it very well and a lot of people do have her back some guys are like and then a lot of people are arguing well that's not a big deal but it's mainly guys who are arguing this but guys you you will not know and have no idea what that feels like because it doesn't happen to you so shut your mouths well so Back to Molly handling it very professionally. I want to give hat, uh, hats off to her. Even like when TMZ Sports like caught up with her when she was like, uh, I think getting a ride somewhere or whatever. They caught up with her and she was just like, ESPN's handling it. Uh, Lavar hasn't apologized or anything, but like she wasn't mad or she was like she was just handling everything so professionally. And I was like, Dude. but do you want to know why she wasn't mad? Because I bet you this is not the first time this has happened to her. Might not have been on TV, but it probably happens during the workplace all the time. You just got to brush it off. Right, and then also, I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. There's one way, like, where you can't, like, if if you really listen to it without, like, the way LeVar Ball said it, it's not that sexual, in a, in a sense, like. But we about, know that's not what he meant. Why would exact, you say that if that's no, no, not no, what No, no, exactly. I'm it. not saying, yeah, and he's, like, in the complete wrong. And the worst part is he hasn't even come out and apologized at all. Like, even if, it, if you didn't mean it in a sexual content anyways, like, or context anyways, like. You should still apologize because it's affecting her. And obviously ESPN has done a great job. And they said they have no future with LeVar Ball coming back on the ESPN network. So that's great. That's a great job by ESPN as well. Yeah, and because that sets the example. Because if ESPN would have allowed it, kept having him back, then it's just like, okay, then anybody can say whatever they want to these female hosts and analysts. So they've worked very hard to kind of get that stereotype off them. Like, for example, Rachel Nichols hosting The Jump. Like, she's widely respected and... She's one of my personal heroes, but she had to work her butt off to get mm-hmm. to where she is and to get people to take her seriously. So when small comments like that, it might seem like a small comment, like, oh, it's no big deal. But it really does affect you as a woman in the sports industry because it's all guys. And that's just the reality of it. We're just, women are slowly breaking their way in, which is great. But at the end of the day, small comments like that, it really might not seem like a big deal, but it is. And this isn't the first, like, encounter of LeVar Ball saying some irrational shit on live tv he came when he was on the herd he was talking to christine lay when she when he was like stay in your lane and he wasn't even like do you remember that yeah when she's she was talking about the big baller brandon talking about how they need to like you know expand their women's line because mm-hmm. and i mean she had a right idea about what she was talking about and then lavar ball was like not even look, giving her eye contact anything like that he was like stay in your lane I don't want to hear it from you. And then he, like, quote-unquote threatened her by saying, you have it coming. Yeah, like, excuse me. But to be honest, I don't – given the situation, LeVar Ball was under a lot of scrutiny from Christine Lay. She was talking about how he wasn't a great father figure for his sons. He's very intimidating, which – 
Could be, but like you don't tell the father that in a sense. Like that's true. So this is what I will say. I mean, when then we'll kind of get into Lebar Ball and what he did in the interview. He um, might say some crazy things. Honestly, I think it's all because just for press. For sure, it has to be because nobody's really that crazy, right? I really want to believe that, but. I mean, he's done everything he can to put his kids in the position to succeed. The only thing that, like, any of his kids have done is when um, Leangelo was caught trying to steal from... It was Louis Vuitton, right? Louis Vuitton in China. In China. So, I mean, you can't control your kids. But besides that, Lonzo, any problems, any issues? No. I mean, we'll talk... Besides his, like, shooting percentage, but that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Um, and then LaMelo, he's now going to be going overseas to play. Like, he pulled his son out of, he pulled his son out of high school, so now he's going... Not, to, he's, like... LaMelo's been all over the place and yeah. like hats off for to LaMelo for staying so composed and so working on his game uh, first of all this guy like I feel like in two years has shot up seven inches like he just boys grew, grow boys grow really fast but he like he's he's probably taller than Lonzo now too and Lonzo's six six so LaMelo's six seven and is like a he's pure so, point yeah. guard and he has his jump shot may be ugly but it's like silky smooth so it's like LaMelo, and he's so young so I can't right I feel like it's so hard to and he's been putting on some some muscle too so yeah. it's like I he could end up the best i mean too early to call but he could end up as the best brother if given his work ethic and i think like you said so he was in at chino hills obviously mm-hmm. lavar ball got into it with the chino hills head coach he pulled his son out then he went to lithuania he got into it with that head coach pulled him out from lithuania and then he was at like sphere or spire or whatever mm-hmm. the high school like one of the top high schools and then now, after he graduated high school, he's going to be going to Australia. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about LeVar Ball. I mean, I don't like him as a person, but I do think that he's a lot of the stuff he's saying is, like, crazy. But he has done everything to help put his kids in a position to right. succeed. By him, but the only problem with him is that he just talks a little too much because... He doesn't have a filter. That's the thing. He just doesn't have a filter. He doesn't... And the fact that he's, he's he saying. just smiles way too much when he says things, so it just... He looks crazier. Right. But, I mean, talking about... Um, I mean, the whole thing is that one of the things that happened on the interview was that Stephen A. Smith said that, you know, you said your son Lonzo Ball is going to be the best thing that happened to the Lakers, and then now you're happy he left. And then LeVar Ball said that he's the one that orchestrated him going to New Orleans. So I think he's just kind of covering his own. Did you see the video of him when, like, the news broke? And I think he was at the Drew League. Yeah, so he was at, yes. Yeah, so he, he was at the Drew League because LaMelo was playing there. and They some, announced it on the loudspeaker. Yeah. They knew LeVar Ball was there, and they announced the trade on the loudspeaker. That's savage as fuck. The picture. Like the if you see the video, he's standing next to the bleachers and he's just like, oh he's no, like he's he looked more like oh no, like and then what? and then he was like, this is gonna be the worst uh, move that the Lakers make to win championship. And then Shaq comes out and no. is like second worst move. Oh yeah, that was funny. But Lavar Ball said the Lakers will never win another championship again. Right. But I don't know who did they just acquire. Oh, I think one of the best uh, big men in the league. I could be wrong. Who though. Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, duh. AD. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, crazy, crazy shenanigans went down. Oh was my it god! Saturday? No, sorry, it was Saturday. Yeah, it was last yeah. Saturday. Saturday. First of all, I want to say that on this podcast, I called it the trade. Oh, he did. I called the exact trade. He did. Um, but yeah, Anthony Davis basically got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, the number four pick, and a future first round pick, which is like, yeah. if they don't get it one year, they'll get it the next year, and it, it, it's a complicated. Yeah, but, let's um, let's let's briefly talk about okay what this means for the Pelicans. So now the Pelicans, they're gonna have Zion with the number one pick. Duh, yeah, they be unless something. No, they're gonna have Zion. What? No, I don't know what else. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, like no, I'm no. trying. There's no other situation where they right. wouldn't get Zion. So it's gonna be Zion, Ingram, Lonzo, Josh Hart. I think out of all of them, Josh Hart is the weakest. <laughs> he was one of the bigger letdowns for the Lakers last year. 
He um, wasn't. He wasn't terrible. He he was. He was a, just a let. He was a letdown though. Like he, I don't think so. He was a second round pick out of Villanova. I don't think he was that big of a letdown. I mean, obviously they expected more out of him, but I don't blame him too because also Contavious Caldwell Pope was taking a lot of his minutes, and that was because of Luke Walton's rotation. And you saw where that got Luke Walton. That's true, but also Josh. I don't think. I mean, I don't think Josh Hart performed as well as he should have. I think that whole Laker team didn't perform as well as he should. <sighs> yeah. Anyways, but so, I mean, so. Pelicans. So the Pelicans. So Brandon Ingram, who did very, very well towards the end of last season, and Lonzo. We all know he got hurt, but Lonzo. But we saw how big of a difference not having Lonzo on the Lakers mm-hmm. was. So I think Lonzo shooting to Zion, slam dunk. We're gonna see that a lot. I think not. Like so, they have Drew Holiday already. That's like their quote unquote star on that team. And I wouldn't even say star. All star, we'll say. Um, and Drew Holiday was an all-defense player. Now putting him and Lonzo next to each other, that is a scary defense backcourt. Yeah, I think the Pelicans just upgraded. For sure. Um, the only thing that I think... So we go over like winners and losers of a trade, right? Mm-hmm. I think both teams could win depending on how they do. So Lakers... We'll talk about the Lakers in a bit, but I think uh, the Pelicans, it's all contingent on Brandon Ingram's health issue with right. the whole blood clot thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he can come back healthy and play the way he was towards the end of the season with the Lakers, it could be a definite win. And then obviously you have oh, those I future so draft too, picks yeah. and the number four pick. I think the Pelicans, if not this year, within the next couple of years, they're for sure going to be a playoff contending team. But like you said, we have to see what happens with Brandon Ingram. And then Lonzo Ball getting hurt is always an issue. So I just think it's kind of the, the only kind of thing I'm – kind of worry about is how many playmakers they have on that team and not enough shooters and i think that was a problem for the lakers last year as well like brandon ingram requires the ball zion requires the ball lonzo requires the ball drew holiday can somewhat play off ball but it's like well lonzo is a great playmaker so no i'm not not knocking that i'm just saying the amount of touches that each player is going to get to be effective Mm -hmm. and efficient so yeah that's going to be a big question mark but yeah but that yeah that will go down to coaching and and then the number four pick that they got from the lakers are currently shopping it around a lot of teams are like trying to get it my original prediction is that i thought they the pelicans should have flipped lonzo ball for the number six pick from the phoenix suns and then the phoenix uh for that number four number six pick they flipped that for the number two pick and get zion and john morant that would have been crazy yeah (laughs) so let's talk about the lakers really quick so the lakers so they got ad they have lebron they kept kyle kuzma which yeah. I think was a good decision because Kyle Kuzma and LeBron work well together because it's pretty much it's Lakers team now that LeBron's on it. It's all about who's gonna. It's all about who's gonna work well with LeBron. So now Lakers are trying to get even more cap space so that way they could sign another All Star. And I heard I heard a rumor yesterday that D'Angelo Russell maybe. Well, Kyrie Irving that was also kind of some that was also kind of a thought, but I don't think so because he didn't work. He didn't work well with LeBron in the past but before we get into that let's just talk about the lakers history here so from 1939 to 2013 the lakers have missed the playoffs only five times the year is 2019 or the 2018 season was this last and they have not made the playoffs since 2013 that's five seasons so the lakers right now their organization they're in trouble they haven't made the playoffs five seasons in a row that's already just as much as they've missed since 1939 which is not i mean we saw how the fans literally rioted mm-hmm. outside staples center this is not good people are that's why everybody's so hard on rob palinka and that's probably why magic and magic stepped down because he realized this is not what's gonna like he they need to get he's gonna handle the scrutiny and he was like Definitely he realized not. that this is not the job for me yeah and then 
in his magic, he grew, he was on the Lakers and he has been involved with the Lakers since they've been dominating. Yeah. He has a statue outside the stable center. Exactly. So the Lakers have to get it together. That's think, that that's it's just that's a crazy stat because I was looking. I was yeah. like, well, let's see. Look, I know the Lakers haven't been in the playoffs in like the past like five five seasons, but let's see how many times they missed. I was like, wow. Only five times. Only five times. Yeah. So they really need to get together this season. And I think that trade was great. Yeah. Having Anthony Davis and LeBron James, arguably two of the top five players when healthy in the league, putting them together, and I think they can do some definite damage. Um, given their cap space situation, it's kind of a mess right now. Yeah, I think that they're trying to put up, like it's reported the Lakers are trying to make uh, get get rid of, uh, it sounds rude me to say, but Mo Wagner, Jamario Jones and Isaac Bonga. So that would, so together they would account, I think that's about like a little under five million. No, it's it's about five million in cap space. And then Anthony Davis has a four million dollar trade kicker. Which he would have to wave. Wave. So I think. I don't don't know. I don't know because would you, okay, but let's talk about it. Would you wave it knowing that you can get another all-star on your team? So here's the situation. So right now they have 23 million in cap space. Given the five million from those players that they trade, and then the four million from Anthony Davis's contract, that's nine million right there. So that would give him thirty-two million, which could easily sign a Kemba Walker, mm-hmm. a Jimmy Butler, a Kawhi Leonard, or whoever, a Chris Middleton, whatever. Lakers get Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> I don't think that's happening because honestly, I don't. Think I don't so either. Yeah, I mean that would be a hell of a team, but um, yeah, I don't think that's happening. And then they so they can go getting another superstar kind of route, but mm-hmm. then that puts them in a situation where they have to stock up on the second round picks to pay like the veteran minimum for all these like younger players that just to fill, literally just to fill out the roster. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically like you have four guys on your team and then yes. randoms on your team. Right. So if somebody gets hurt, somebody goes down, then exactly. they'll be in trouble. Exactly. And that's why I think they should go the other route, which is don't get a superstar. And I think this $23 million in cap space is kind of a blessing in disguise because I think they should go after role players. Mm-hmm. A couple role players are like, Patrick Beverly, they should go after Brooke Lopez, bring him back because I think he would fit so well with LeBron James. You saw how well he did with Giannis. Like, right? Like LeBron is a better playmaker. And then you have JJ Redick, another shooter, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Terrence Ross. Basically, this team needs to surround LeBron and AD with shooters. Right. AD will hold down the paint defensively and offensively. LeBron will be LeBron. So just surround him with the right pieces. I really like JJ Redick for the Lakers just because he is a great shooter. And I think he would look. He, he would look. He would work very well with LeBron, and then helping move the ball around. Because mm-hmm. the biggest issue with LeBron is now that well, now that we have AD and LeBron, the biggest issue around LeBron is you want to make sure that he's not two man cover. You know, like you want to make sure he's able to move around and everything. Not only that, he's getting up there in age, and after that right. that injury last season, that was probably the worst. In, or that for sure was the worst injury of his career. He's like you don't think four, right? He's thirty four, and he missed twenty seven games last year. And mm-hmm. you think like. LeBron is basically doesn't miss a lot of games, and that's why you think of a he growing even injury, miss the playoffs. right? And you think of the growing injury. It's like for any other player, that's like, oh, it's just it's an injury. But that was LeBron's biggest injury of his career, and I think something like what the Toronto Raptors did with Kawhi Leonard. I think they only play LeBron maybe, let's say, thirty minutes, or like kind of like a Tim Duncan thing, like thirty minutes a game, and you maybe play him sixty games instead of the 82 games the mm-hmm. entire season. Right. Quote-unquote load management is what they call it. So I think that's something to do for LeBron, so he's ready to go and play off. I agree. So I think it'll be very interesting what happens if we'll have to wait and see if AD does waive that $4 million. So we'll see because that will definitely change what the Lakers do. But I do agree. I think it could be better 
to have maybe not a star star player it wouldn't would it be great to have a star player yes of course but then like we said if somebody gets hurt somebody goes down exactly like we just saw from the warriors exactly kevin durant and clay thompson going down Mm -hmm. the warriors were very very vulnerable yeah and like because the role players couldn't step up yeah and then going back to the lakers whole issue with not making the playoffs they need to be a consistent good team and they need to have that support their their mentality is win now especially since the warriors are so vulnerable with Kevin Durant, wherever he decides to go, and Clay Thompson, wherever he decides to go, it's like all they have is Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Well, Clay Thompson wants to stay on the Warriors, right? But he won't be coming back until March, February, March, and right. then we also don't know how he'll look come playoff time because if he'll have enough reps to like get back into the swing of things, I think he will. But still, AD and LeBron, crazy thing to think of. Like Lakers did a good job. Yeah. On Wednesday morning, there was some more NBA trade news. Mike Connolly was traded. Yeah, honestly, this is why I love the NBA. It's like even off season, like it's still so entertaining. So Mike Conley, one of the the top tier point guards, I would say, uh, got traded to the Memphis. Or sorry, he was on the Memphis Grizzlies for his entire career, and he just got traded to the Utah Jazz for Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, the number twenty two pick in this year's draft, and a future first round pick. So Conley's thirty one, but I think. The Jazz are kind of in a win-now mentality, same as the Lakers, mm-hmm. with the Warriors being so vulnerable. And then, obviously, with the Houston Rockets, the amount of drama that they got going oh, on over yeah. there. So, I think the West is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, the Lakers are the dominant powerhouse team, depending on what they do in the free, in free agency. And then, you have the Nuggets. You have the Trailblazers. We'll see how it goes. And then, obviously, the, you can't count out the Warriors. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the West is very much up for grabs now. So, it's kind of a win-now mentality. And Mike Conley... Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, it's a nice little big three right there they got in Utah. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a good little trio over there in Utah. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. I think that, like you said, I, that, that's the biggest thing I think for every team in the West right now because the Warriors are vulnerable, very very vulnerable. So you only, I mean, pretty much now since Lakers got AD, they're projected to win. I think that that's what some early polls have said. Like, oh, since they've got acquired AD, like now they jumped up to like winning. Yeah, they have yeah. the best odds to win the championship, which they, I after the Warriors went down, I think they did. Given the situation that they would get, get AD, they would possibly get Kawhi, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now it just kind of solidifies their odd, championship odds. Everybody's scrambling, man. Everybody has got to get it together. And you want to know what one way they could get it together? The NBA draft that's happening today. We'll take a commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk about the NBA draft. Metal Militia is here to showcase the diversity of hard rock and heavy metal. Get ready for classic rock favorites, new music, and subgenres. Make sure to check out Metal Militia, hosted by Jason Martinez, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Okay, so now we're talking about the NBA draft. Probably, it's a really exciting time, especially today. I know Kush is extremely excited to talk about this right now. So now, but we're not, well, here's what we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about Zion. We're not going to talk about Jean Morant. And we're not going to talk about R.J. Barrett because I'm pretty sure everybody knows who they are. And they know what they're going to do. We all know that they're going to be the top three picks of the draft. So let's start off and talk about, let's talk about the best five players outside of those top three. So who do you got first, Kush? I got Darius Garland, um, a point guard out of Vanderbilt. He only played, I think, like five games this season, and then he had a season-ending knee injury. But if you watch this guy, this dude can flat-out ball. And then even before the AD trade, when the Lakers were going to have the number four pick, um, the Lakers were looking at him. Like, they were seriously considering him because they liked the way he played. Yeah, he's a 
honestly a point guard that you want great shooter great ball handler great passer so i kind of reminds me i'm like i don't want to compare him because i hit I, comparisons are so weird i kind of just compare it to play styles rather than how they're gonna pan out because I, I don't like putting a label on a player and like, especially when they're so young and they still have so much time to develop right and obviously you know these players don't pan out because some some of the times they have very high expectations mm-hmm. aka or like Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Talking like, and that was partially because of his dad, but. Right. Yeah, Darius Garland, I see a Kyrie Damian Lillard kind of play style in him. Not saying he may be good at, as good as them, but just the way he plays. Yeah, and then an interview, um, I can't remember the artic- the name person who wrote the inter- who interviewed him, but when he did tear his meniscus, it was late November, so that ended his season. Mm-hmm. He had said, he said, he's like, on, he, w- he seems very confident. He had told the interviewer, yeah, I think that if I wouldn't have torn my meniscus, I would have been in the top three. I would have been one of the top three picks in the draft, still, which I agree. He still thinks he's the best point guard in the draft, even in front of John Morant. Yeah. So, I mean, I just that, think that's he, a lot of confidence that he, that he has, and that's something you need to go into the draft with a, kind of a chip on your shoulder. I don't know, because he's still a top five player. Yeah, I mean, especially going into the NBA as well, because you kind of need that confidence. Right. Okay, so next we have, I have DeAndre Hunter. He's so let's just let's just list his accolades. He's national champion. He's 13 All-American, 2018-2019 NABC Defensive Player of the Year, All-ACC First Team Honoree, and 2018, so the last season he was also the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter, this is actually who I had the Lakers drafting before they traded the number four pick okay. because I think he is a 3-and-D player, which if you guys don't know what that means, basically a guy who can shoot the three and play defense on the wing. So. I think he reminds me a lot of Robert Covington, who used to be on the Sixers, now is on the Minnesota Timberwolves. But he is a great player, very lengthy, can be effective without the ball, can catch and shoot, all that stuff. Uh, his playmaking is kind of a question, which is, but he doesn't need to be effective with the ball in his hand. He needs to be like a catch and shoot role or like you know a defender. Yeah, it was uh, the defensive role. The de- the defensive role he plays is, I think, so much more important in his style of play and that's what's got him that's why he's so successful and that's why he he was sought after i think and i think another thing that goes under the radar is the fact that he can shine in big games in the national championship game he had 27 points to help virginia win the national championship so i think that's something very under the radar is that he doesn't shy away in the spotlight right and then that also proves that in clutch situations he's there and he's going to be there and he doesn't he both, doesn't hide both away offensively from and situations. defensively yeah and inside and he's such a young player to have all that skill set that stuff you can't really teach i mean defensive yeah you can teach those skills obviously but the way he plays and like his confidence and how he's just extremely aggressive that's how that's something you can't teach that's going to be really great and to hone in on those skills is going to be really cool to watch him do okay who do you got next i got mr Jarrett culver the guy who played against and was guarded by deandre hunter in the national championship yeah and yeah he's a he's a great guard he i think i have the chicago bulls picking him because he's what they need Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that i don't does he stay till uh what, seven? I believe they're seven. I believe so. Yeah. Do, does he stay till there? Cause like you have the Suns at six, you have the Cavs at five. I think the Cavs might even try to get him at I think, five. I think the Cavs could get him, but also I think that um like I think that he I see him going to the Bulls and fitting well with them. I should say more. The Bulls are really looking to trying to get him because the Bulls are in year three of rebuilding and they really need a guard like him, an aggressive guard. So. And the thing is, he can be like that guard wing player. He could play the two or three position in the NBA. Uh, 
he's about six seven with a six ten wingspan. So he's a great defender. Can play. Can guard the one through three position. Maybe even the four position. But and also the main thing is he's a great isolation player. He reminds me a lot of Karis Levert coming from the Brooklyn Nets. Like he can create his own shot. He doesn't have to rely on someone else to get his own. So that's something that the Bulls could definitely use and the Cavaliers, in my opinion. Right. Okay. So next I have Cam Reddish. So mm -hmm. Cam Reddish was at Duke with Zion. I think he was extremely overshadowed. I mean, every everybody's overshadowed by Zion, but he was extremely overshadowed. He was, but in 2018, before everyone knew who Zion really was, he was a number two prospect. Yeah, um, Cam Reddish got, like you said, overshadowed by Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett at Duke, so he didn't get a really shine. But at the same time, he is kind of a shot in the dark pick. He can either turn out to be one of the steals in the draft because I think he's going to go around nine, eight or nine to the Hawks or he can be a wasteful pick because he's very he's not consistent in my opinion like even when Zion Williamson went out he had that injury mm -hmm. um he that was when Cam Reddish was supposed to step up and show the world that hey I could ball too and he didn't really do that he kind of lacked his killer and Cam Reddish knows he was overshadowed by Zion and RJ Barrett but he doesn't seem too concerned about that because he also said in an interview recently that he blames his average performance, which he calls average. He, he says, I can play better than that. I know, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody probably says that. But like, I think I truly think he can. He has a skill set to do so. But it's just like in those situations, was that more of like, well, so was that situation when he was supposed to step up when Zion, in that situation when Zion went down and he was supposed to step up was that more of like a he couldn't handle the pressure or was it because he wasn't that good i think it was more so the pressure which is also something he has to get rid of but that's something that you can get but being taken in the top 10 like the nba is now like if you get drafted at that high of a pick like even the nfl is like this like you're gonna start like right. you're gonna it's it's like you, you gotta start mentoring or training the young guys to get the nba experience and to start and you know no and it's I not it's not like the NFL used to be before where you take a quarterback with the top five pick but you sit right. him down behind, for a year or a top ten pick like Patrick Mahomes NBA is a lot different if you get drafted at the position you're getting drafted there's a reason why you're getting drafted because the team wants you to help them like now well right but and he has but I think he has time working out with an NBA team and kind of adjusting to that kind of style I think he will do it and he seems very confident as like he can do it I like his confidence a lot but honestly his numbers don't jump out to me 35% right. shooting from the field and 33% from behind the arc and he's supposed to be known as one of the better shooters in the league and that's why I think he can pan out but he is a streaky shooter and I think that could be his downfall I agree with you only in that like that right away sense can he be good right now yeah I think he can but he does need to work on it so given the right coaching staff I think he could pan out in this league I believe so too okay moving on I got Kobe White as my last best player out of the top three. Okay, so here's a crazy stat I saw when I was looking up Kobe White's stats. He scored 562 points his freshman year, and that beats Michael Jordan's record. Yeah, his freshman record. And actually, as we're just talking about this, I just got a Twitter notification from Adrian Wojnarowski talking about Kobe White working out with the New York Knicks. Ooh. So that number three pick, I mean, we're talking about the top three picks being solidified Maybe they, 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 the Kobe White goes to the Knicks at number three. We don't know. But yeah, let's talk about Kobe White real quick. Um, very lengthy, super fast guard. Yeah, he's very powerful too. Very fast, very lengthy, very strong. Like, he has the build for an NBA point guard, and he's 
has a skill set as well. Um, and he's he's a great shooter, like a really really good shooter too. Um, he, what is in his perspective? He's six five, with four point three percent body fat. That's insane. He's in shape. Weighing 190 pounds. He works out. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, one thing that he could uh, potentially become better on is his shooting and shot creating. Those things can be easily developed with coaching. Right. And I think he's a very young player. And I think any team that will take him, that is a franchise player. And I think he, he kind of reminds me of when the Clippers took Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's a lengthy point guard who had great iq and is very young so he has a lot of room to grow so definitely watch out for kobe white in this draft now we're going to talk about my favorite thing the underdogs so we're going to talk about the most underrated players in this draft the first one that i have is bull bull yeah bull bull the son of the famous minute bull who is seven seven this guy minute bull was seven seven 190 pounds 195 pounds so he's very skinny but he was known to be a shot blocker Mm -hmm. and known to be a three-point shooter and i think he was a tall also the tallest player in nba history tied yeah tied for the tallest player in nba history um bull bull played at oregon season was cut short due to a foot injury but in those nine games that he did play he's first of all he's seven foot two not as tall as his dad maybe yeah who knows what if he grows more but he's still young he's only a freshman coming out of college so it's like there's like (laughs) a couple inches that he could potentially grow right but the crazy part about this guy is if he didn't get injured and he continued playing the level he could he could have easily been a top three pick i think or a top five pick for that matter i think so too for sure this just guy has watching him play and when i first saw him play i was like what i was like who's this tall kid like Sudanian running dude, around yeah. and, I, and then you look at him like because you know people that tall they're a little awkward just because you know mm-hmm. their body's really long and that's not natural but he moves so well on the court for being that tall he plays like a guard like the his, his ball handling's amazing and for a seven foot two dude like you don't think his ball handling's gonna be great but he literally has point guard like ball handling skills shoots great from three point he shot 52 percent from three point that is absolutely insane for a seven foot two player to shoot and then obviously his shot blocking ability his rim protecting ability is amazing and that's just given how lengthy he is and he's a smart defender too he won't jump at everything because he realizes how tall he is so yeah bobo and he has a standing reach of nine seven so basically, he's standing and he puts his hands up. He's about three inches away from just dunking. That's how it's all. Just this guy a alley oops, little little pat in. You're just gonna pat it in. It's like it's like Boban Marjanovic given point guard skills. That's Bobo for you. Yeah, Boban Bobo. I love it. So I think he will go somewhere in the mid lotteries. I I think any team that gets him will and, be a steal. Yeah, and like you said, if he was playing though, if he played the whole season. I mean, he like he averaged what twenty one, twenty two points in just the nine games he played. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him in the NBA. Yeah. Next person I got is Carson Edwards. Yeah. So he's not seven two. He's a little shorter. A lot of shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so Carson Edwards, he's a great scorer, and he's improved so much throughout his college career. So his freshman year, he was only averaging ten points a game. Then his sophomore year, he jumped up to eighteen and a half points a game. He shot 97 threes, so that's just a giant jump. And he also won the Jerry West Award after that year. And his junior year, completion of his junior year, he averaged 24 points a game. So this kid's just going up. The problem with him, and he gets knocked on a lot, is his height. He's six foot. He's not the biggest of players, point guard. But boy, can he score the ball. Yeah. 
in this past March Madness, he averaged 34 points a game for Purdue. And he basically put Purdue on his back and was carrying them. So he is a great player, but given his size, you know, he kind of fell down the draft boards. But so I think any team that picks him up can he can definitely be vital for them as a role player coming off the bench or yeah. anything like that. And he plays so aggressively too. But mm-hmm. I feel like you know if you're smaller, you kind of have to do that because he's he's overcompens. I think he's very overcompensating for his size, um, which is gonna only help him in the long run. I think that he's the most underrated player. I think he's pretty athletic too. He had a 34 yeah. inch vertical as well. Mm-hmm. So being six foot tall and then having a 34 inch vertical, I mean, he what he lacks in height, he makes up in his athleticism. And then obviously his shooting ability. And he could shoot it from deep too in his experience being a j- junior. So he's had plenty of experience in college. I think he will be a steal for anyone in this draft. I agree. So the, next we have... Lugans Dort. So he's very talented, but I th- and because he, he has a lot of athleticism, but I think that there's just a lot of like, and it sounds weird to say because he wants if you're gonna like you said if you're gonna want to be picked in the NBA draft or top ten, even you need to be have already those skill sets. I think there's a lot of tweaking he needs to do, a lot of things he needs to adjust to make him a little bit more of a consistent player. Um. So Lou Dort is the uh, like point guard shooting guard for Arizona State and I had no idea who he was coming out of college until I saw him play Cal State Fullerton when Cal State Fullerton played him this season and when it's double overtime this guy was just an animal he's 6'4 for a point guard which is pretty big and then 220 pounds that's the crazy part so but this like Kobe Bryant was 220 pounds for his like prime of his career when he mm-hmm. was like really athletic and this guy is physically gifted and athletic and he has he kind of reminds me of a John Wall, but obviously his offensive skills aren't polished. Like he he's very clumsy right. with the ball. He needs mm-hmm. to do a better job. He's very turnover prone. So that's why my comparison to him would be kind of like a Marcus Smart, a great defender, strong player who can handle the ball. Yeah, and then like like I said, it's pretty much like his offense that needs to pretty much the biggest thing that he needs to work on like he cannot turn over the ball and that's the biggest thing i think he'll be a late round pick so given that he may not see that much playing time but given that he gets with the right coaching staff and they and they work on his offensive game to polish him because i think defensively he's there like given the strength and his lateral quickness like he's there like you know yeah. really, you can't teach that type of stuff right it's his athleticism to. that's exactly. there and uh, he's projected out of all the po- like out of all the mock drafts you know that's been done he's projected to go as high as number 24 as a number 24 pick. yeah so he can go anywhere from like late first round to like early second round mid second round so any team that snags him i think he's a very underrated player in the draft and then next up we got two more players and we got bruno fernando out of maryland sophomore center didn't get a lot of attention because he played at maryland mm-hmm. averaged 13 points a game 10 rebounds and shot 60 percent but he finished his season with 22 double doubles yeah and he can dunk the ball yeah I mean, he's 6'10", so he should be able to dunk the ball. But, yeah, like you said, 22 double-doubles. Like, this man can go out there and do it all for you as a big man. Great rebounder, great NBA body. Um, and, like you said, finishes at the rim very strong. Yeah, he was also first-team All-Big Ten and then All-Big Ten defensive team. So, he's pretty well-rounded. I mean, he's has the body for it, so if he can just hone in. I think, like, once players get to – the NBA too, or once they're on a professional team, they really hone in on your diet, everything, everything. So that way you're at your prime. So I think once they do that with him, he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty tough. Right, and he reminds me of a Denver Nuggets 
Kenneth Fareed, like way back when when Kenneth Fareed first came in the league, was called the Manimal for a reason, just because of his athleticism and the way he would go for rebounds, block shots, get you a point in the paint, etc. And then who you got last on the list? We have last um, Nas Reed for out of LSU. So right now he's projected to be go in the second round of the draft, like late second, honestly. Yeah. So, what do you think, Kush? Nas Reed is a guy coming out of high school. He was number 18 player in his class of Zion, RJ Barrett, all them. And he is a great player. He, I really saw him at the McDonald's All-American game when that's when he kind of like took me by surprise. This guy's 6'10", 250 pounds. So obviously that's like big man status, like really big man mm-hmm. status. But this guy has like guard skills. He can dribble the ball. He can shoot the three. And I think the fact that he was at LSU he kind of got it kind of overshadowed him like he wasn't getting that much publicity because obviously lsu isn't right. known to be a basketball powerhouse so. but he was a second leading scorer he averaged 13 mm-hmm. about a about little under 14 points per game and then he led he led his team with seven and a half rebounds and shooting 46 percent right so from la- the field yeah and i think his only downfall for him is that he could be overconfident and knows that he has those guard-like skills and may try to like take over a game like a guard like a Kevin Durant kind of a thing but mm-hmm. his skill set isn't there yet he has a great foundation but it's not polished off like a Kevin Durant or something yeah. like that. so I think that could be his downfall his fall being overconfident he's one of those players where I think that he is not going to be like we talked about he's not going to be top 10 he's not going to be good right now but he's gonna I think he'll pan out to be very well do very well I'm hoping league. so because I think I think he could do damage in the league given yeah. his size and athleticism and then obviously yeah he just needs yeah he skills. just yeah he just needs to be he just needs to hone in on his skills and I think like in a couple of years we're gonna see a lot from him and I think the fact that he's gonna be going late second round if he even gets drafted he could even go as an undrafted free True. agent so any team that picks him up if they utilize him correctly he could do damage in this league yes but that is going to wrap up this episode of The Nosebleeds. Thanks yep. for tuning in as always. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Write us a review if you're feeling generous. And, and then follow us on social media. Yep. What is our names? So on Twitter, the underscore nosebleeds. Tweet us, ask us questions, tell us what you think. And then on Instagram, it's just at the nosebleeds. Um, or there's no at on Instagram. Duh. But... Um, Look out later today. We're going to start a Facebook page so you could we can kind of interact through there. Interact with us. Let us know if you want to talk about something. Let us know if you disagreed with anything. Give us your points. But back it up with facts. We right. do appreciate opinions, though. And then let us know if there's something that you want to talk about. Us talk about more, maybe less. So, yeah. That'll do it. See you guys next week. Deuces.